What is up and welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I am Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lahorn. This week on the pod, we are cruising on our skateboard down the hills of San Francisco as we talk about 2019's Sundance winner, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I always come back to the old house. What if it's empty? What if we just peeked inside? We could throw parties. You could put on one of your plays. We could yell. It is this house, our old house. That's not your old house, and that's not your neighborhood. A young man searches for home in the changing city that seems to have left him behind. As always, spoilers are ahead for The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, If you haven't seen it like I hadn't up until about two hours ago, I suggest you go watch this movie. There's not a whole lot to spoil per se, but we will be talking about the tones, the themes, um, everything specifically about this movie. So Mm -hmm. you have been warned. Uh, Ben, real quick. Before we talk about The Last Black Man in San Francisco, I have a little housekeeping thing that I want to talk about here. I texted you the other night. I found out about this new A24 thing on TikTok, and I thought, look, let's talk about it on the pod. We're an A24 pod after all. Uh, Our listeners might not know about it. Maybe we can uh, help them become more knowledgeable about this new program called All Access A24, AAA24 is what we're doing here. Uh, you hadn't heard about it until I texted you, right? Yeah, I hadn't heard anything about it. And then I saw some stuff on Twitter and stuff. So yeah, I'm curious about this whole, uh, what, yeah, what are they calling it? Like AAA 24 or something like that? Who knows? But yeah, uh, it's some who, interesting who stuff. It's got a great logo. If you, if you just Google AAA 24, it'll come up. So essentially what this is, uh, is an A24 monthly subscription service model or fan club or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm just going to run through like the perks of this really, really quickly. Uh, You get a Zine subscription. So essentially that's what it is, a a Zine subscription uh, four times a year. At least it could be more, but it will at least be four times a year. You will get a brand new uh, Zine in your mailbox, starting with the Tax Season 1 for Everything Everywhere All at Once by Daniels, which is a super cool way to kick that off. You get a birthday gift. My birthday's coming up in just a couple weeks, so I was like, I'm definitely signing up because I want to see what this birthday gift is. So I'm really, really curious what it's going to be. Um, you get added to their close friends on Instagram, which means they post specific stories about sales, giveaways, sneak peeks, um, other interesting things, exclusive limited edition, uh, colorways and merch just for this membership. You get a membership pin and a membership card. You get early product access to limited edition merch. You're going to be first in line and first to know. Uh, Sometimes they'll send some discounts your way. So that seems pretty cool. Uh, And then you get a a quote-unquote VIP treatment. It says additional perks will be revealed like priority access to in-real-life events, concierge, customer service, free movie popcorn, and more. This is $5 a month. Um, I literally didn't even think about it. I was like, I'm fucking sold. I'm, nice. I'm a member. Like, nice. uh, it, fantastic. Are you going to sign up, Ben? I mean, I feel like as one of the two hosts of the A24 <laughs> podcast, uh, I feel like I need to do it. Uh, actually, the birthday gift was also something that kind of was like, I think I need to because 
if you were listening to this the day this comes out, it is my birthday. Uh, and so I was like, what? oh, maybe I really need to get in on this. Otherwise, I have to wait a whole year to get whatever this birthday <laughs> gift is going to be. Um, I'm yeah, I'm the things that intrigue me the most, honestly, is the early product access. Yeah, uh, because there are some runs that they do like with like the hereditary merch or X or, you know, some of this stuff. And it's like, by the time you see it, it is sold out. It's like, oh man, I right. love that shirt. Like, yeah, it was $60 and I don't need it, but I would have <laughs> worn it, you know? So like, that's part of it for me. Um, I am a little disappointed that there's nothing actually like involved with movies mm-hmm. here. That seems really weird for a movie studio. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there is no part of like a streaming service, like Criterion. Cause like I signed up for Criterion Collection the day they announced it. It's like, cool, right. I'm in on this, let's do it. Um, so I was really hoping there was going to be something like this and maybe it's a more of a distribution thing. I'm not sure exactly why, uh, I wish that was there. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to sign up anyway. Yeah. It sounds like they're still working out like what all the perks are going to be. I think it's going to evolve as this happens. Uh, the one interesting thing I wanted to note before we dive into the movie here is, A24 kind of being at the peak of movie conversations right now with everything everywhere all at once. Next month, we have men coming out. Mm -hmm. We have lots of good stuff on the horizon. We just had X and A24 um, project. I think it's interesting that they come out with a a subscription-based model that's essentially like, hey, we'll just give you some perks and like you pay us every single month. I think it shows... You and I are a part of this, of this very dedicated A24 hive that is out there where whatever this production company stamps a logo on, we we are a fan of, we want it, we trust it. And this kind of harkens back to that massive influx of cash that they ended up getting a few months ago. They're really becoming this this brand instead of a production movie company, which I think is an interesting point in their kind of growth as, yeah. as a production company. I'm curious um, if they will include movies in this for like in like $10 a month. Look, you get access to like an, you know, an a 24 stream or you can at, or like you get a code to see a new movie at home the week it comes out or something mm-hmm. to enforce the fact that they do in fact produce movies. Yeah. They don't just make sick merch. So I think it's a very interesting, thing that's happening here yeah i'm curious to see how it will evolve obviously this is like the very beginning of it but i think at some point you've got to involve the movie watching process mm-hmm. in this membership it just seems really weird to offer that to someone <laughs> for what your company is and then be like it's all just about the stuff around the movie though it's like uh okay like i'm obviously we're here for it if we want to become members but i just i hope something changes i hope we get some movie stuff yeah, super interesting. Go check it out. AAA24, um, All Access Pass, A24. It's good shit. I'm, I'm a member. So, you know, I feel good about it. And honestly, I'm that guy that's like, check out my card that it yeah. says I'm an AAA24 member. Because <laughs> why not? Um, all right, let's talk about The Last Black Man in San Francisco. You had seen this and yeah. I had not. We did a little bit of a movie swap the last couple of weeks. Um, ben, I want to know first from you. You rewatched it, I assume, mm-hmm. for the pod. Mm-hmm. And um, how did you feel about it? Did your feelings change from from viewing number one to two? What's your overall thought on the movie, so I can then understand if I'm if I'm in the same boat or not? <laughs> All right, uh, it, I guess it did change a little bit in terms of like my letterbox ranking, um, but it stayed positive. You know, I initially gave this a four star review. 
Uh, and on the rewatch, I gave it four and a half stars. Um, I'm a big fan of this movie, uh, but I can say that I am um, very much like, I don't know I'm subjective, I guess about this. Like this is, this hits me personally quite a bit because I grew up in California uh, and every other weekend I would spend with my dad in San Francisco. So this movie very much is like hitting me in my feels, you know, like the scenery, like as we're like going by, it's like, yeah, I remember sitting in the passenger seat of my dad's car, looking up, seeing the, like, you know, the, these buildings and just like, I learned how to drive on the streets of San Francisco. My dad parked me at the bottom of the hill. He's like, cool, get us up here. Like in a stick (laughs) shift, like, okay, got it. So I'm very uh, aware throughout this whole review that I, I can't really be objective. I I love San Francisco. It's one of my favorite places in the entire world. So to have a movie that like captures its beauty so well uh, is, is huge to me. Um, I watched this for the first time for my other podcast. One of my co-hosts picked it for a movie. I'd never even heard of it. Uh, And then I watched it. It It's like, Oh wow, this is amazing. I love it. And that instant I was in love with Jonathan majors. Like I don't have no idea what else this guy is going to be doing, but I I just want to see anything and everything because he's fantastic. So uh, yeah, the rewatch just like solidified my feelings. I just, I honestly, when I went to letterbox, I was surprised that I gave it four stars. That's what's like, Oh, I only gave this four. Like I thought for <laughs> sure. Like, uh, so yeah, I went four and a half this time. Um, but as a, a first watch, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, so we're, we're in the same boat. I didn't want to like psych people out and be like, Oh my God, Ethan hates the last black man. In San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I don't, uh, I love this movie. This is, this is excellent. This is really good stuff. So I haven't rated it on letterbox. So let's go through this kind of like live commentary. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm giving it a four stars because cool. I don't have that personal connection to San Francisco. I've been like twice and I've like loved it so much. It's been mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but a very like, unlike you, like I don't have this personal connection. So I think there is like that little bit of a gap for me, but the fact that this movie, um, and the third act kind of, you know, culminates in this play from Jonathan majors. Right. And yeah. the play is called the last black man in San Francisco. Um, I, even before that was going to happen, I didn't know that that, that was where this is going. This is very much like a, not necessarily meandering, but a very um, time well spent, like love letter, mm-hmm. um, friendship, um, you know, kind of going through all of this together. That feels very much like a play. It feels very much like set in three acts um, where we are exceptionally intimate with the characters. Uh, Jonathan Majors, the first thing that I saw him in was Loki as, as He Who mm. Remains. And you kept saying, like, he's so good in Last Black Man. Like, yeah. you need to check that out. And we recorded a, uh, a Loki uh, episode six commentary mm-hmm. a couple last week for my 15 Minutes of Marvel podcast. And now I know what you mean because, <laughs> my God, this guy can act. Like, Isn't it insane? It's, it's wild how good he is during that play. And I don't think... If it wasn't Jonathan Majors, I would not have cried or teared up and, yeah. and like felt the emotions that I felt, but it was him and his ability to like kick on the high emotion in an instant is almost frightening. Like it's so good. It's crazy. So good. I, I honestly I love that we had like the opposite experience with him because I got to experience Last Black Man. I was like, oh, this guy is like really like kind of artistic and like internal, you know, he seems like an introvert and kind of quiet and lives in his own world very much. So, you know, like there's the scene where 
the five guys are like arguing with each other, whatever. And he walks up like he's directing them because he's got the right, play going in right. his head. He's like, really, really, really good. You've got something there. Keep it going. And they're like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? You know, and he's like, yeah. keep it up. Keep it up. You're onto something. He just like walks away and seeing this guy like play this role. is like, man, this is so cool to see who he is. And then we go to Loki and he's just like the coolest guy, like super powerful, knows it, but doesn't necessarily like rub it in anyone's face. I'm like, oh, he, this guy can act. Like you said, it's like, man, this is crazy to see him. He's like, I mean, probably going to be the big bad for whatever this phase four or five of Marvel is going to be. Um, and so it's just like, it was really cool to see that transition between these two characters. And I love that you got to see the opposite side of it where like you saw the powerful Jonathan Majors, the guy who can control and command a room. And then we go to last black man. It's kind of like, Oh, this is kind of a quiet guy. Like he, he turns it on in the play, but everything leading up to it, like he's very kind of quiet and thoughtful and reserved mm-hmm. and just a really good best friend, you know? And I don't right. know. It was, I, I love that dynamic between those two. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. You mentioned that because for me, it's, it, it works like so much in the same way where there's two, those two roles overlap so very much even though they're starkly different in what they're portraying in this character Mm -hmm. like jonathan majors has the ability to like to rope you into his world right to for for him to to get your full attention and your your full immersion into anything that he's saying and that's why and and listeners of my pod know ben you know people on twitter that that follow me know that's why episode six and that monologue from Jonathan Majors is so damn powerful is because mm-hmm. we hang on every single word that he says. And it is the same thing in this movie. His ability to pro- portray such raw emotion with saying certain things to, to Jimmy throughout is really impressive. Um, a couple other really big themes here before we do our true cinema it is a love letter to this city that is changing, kind of leaving leaving these two friends behind, and and um, a huge meta text and commentary on gentrification and toxic masculinity, um, friendship as a whole, but but friendship between two black men and what that means and their ability to be raw and honest with each other, um, and then the ability to to essentially just be so transfixed on on a reality that you want that cannot happen that you lose sight of the reality happening around you because you are so lost in your own version of it um this is a huge movie for those things and I, i i know i remember thinking when i probably had about 10 minutes left like boy, this is going to age really well. Like mm-hmm. when I come back to this and when I revisit this for another time, I am going to be so much deeper into all of the commentary of this movie that I think it's just going to grow every single time that I watch it. A hundred percent. And I think so many of these themes um, come across really well. We'll get to it. But uh, in the Kofi character, who's like a, mm-hmm. a side character, um, but man, they have like a really intimate moment you know, together they share in the house, uh, they go for a Schwitz, uh, which is kind of cool, you know? (laughs) And, and then in the next scene, he just like kind of turns his back on them because he's got to hold up what he feels is the reality that he lives in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that obviously leaves, leads to like something tragic, but it's just so interesting to see because you can, you can kind of see in Jonathan majors and Jimmy fails, like in their eyes, like, wait, we were just cool yesterday. Like, why are you acting like this? Yeah. Like, I get it, but this is uh this is really kind of interesting to see. So uh, some great commentary in this movie without a doubt. Yeah. And 
and I mean, we're going to, let's talk about true cinema, but this movie is just gorgeous. It is beautiful. It is so incredible. Directed by Joe Talbot, who this is the very first movie that he's ever directed. He he did a short in 2017 called American Paradise. Um, But this is it for my guy. And it's like, I don't know if we're looking at a one and done, but if we're looking at a one and done, this thing is God tier one and done, right? Like this is gorgeous movie. I can't wait for his next movie. This does feel like um, I, I'm on board, but I'm also like kind of concerned because this feels like those people that make like a fantastic debut album. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's that not a pair, but what's that thing of just like, you have your whole life to write their first album. And then you have like two sure. years to write your next one. And you know, the Joe Talbot, who is the director and writer and Jimmy fails, who is the star, like they are friends in real life. They grew up together. Like, this is a lot of their story. And so it makes sense that this is so amazing and powerful, but then it's just like, okay, cool. You told your story. So what are you going to do now to tell someone else's? I'm really curious to see what they do, but I've got full faith. I'm, I'm, I'm showing up regardless. I want to see what they do. It, it looks like I'm just doing a quick Google search here. It looks like uh, Joe Talbot's new film will be called The Governesses and mm. is slated to star uh, Jung Ho Yun, Lily Rose Depp, and Renate uh, Rinsfee, who who I believe is in The Worst Person in the World. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. And, and she just fucking crushes it in that movie. It's incredible. Uh, it's also going to be associated with A24, uh, and it is based on a novel of the same name, I don't think we have a release date yet, but God, look at us. Just not really breaking news, but figuring it out as we go <laughs> through this. Here we go. On the fly, it. on the pod. Okay, true cinema moments. We've got the opening monologue from the preacher essentially acting very much as, you know, this um, kind of overarching theme and tone for what you're about to watch for the next two hours of, um, you know, the, the toxic water and why are all of these men wearing suits and we are not and and really setting that theme um, kind of into action. Uh, really powerful opening. Really, really powerful. Yeah, so good. Uh, I mean, they kind of talk about it throughout the movie, too. It's like you can't eat the fish like this is all like toxic water. It's like it's the same water that we shower in. And <laughs> it's just like when, you know, the gentrification, when like they want it to start happening, it's like, all right, well, we got to clean out all the gross stuff, you know, which like just, I don't know. It's a really interesting theme in the way they show us. It. Like it's very uh, heavy handed or just to the point, like with the toxic yeah. suits, like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. This is exactly what they're talking about. Right. Uh, we get the, the first time that uh, essentially Jimmy gets told to leave the house while he's painting. He gets these this fruit uh, thrown at him, this food thrown at him. And uh, I, I love this because not only does it show us the passion that Jimmy has for this house that, that he believes that his grandpa built, um, but hilarious moment when the husband is like those those cost like three dollars what are you, yeah. why are you throwing these <laughs> yeah, at this exactly. guy like and he's like we're not gonna call the cops but those cost like three bucks yeah and the one like, we're calling the cops right now i was like we're not gonna call the cops like <laughs> yeah. don't worry about it like yeah i loved that moment and that was really i think one of the first shocking moments of the movie when you watch it the first time it's like, right Wait, what is happening you know it's like oh this is not his house like he's not supposed to be here 
Yeah, I think there were a lot of moments like that in the movie for me where I was like, oh, wow, not how I expected this story to go. Like, I thought we were going to get, and there are moments, there are, like, shining moments when they are living in the home and they're, like, cleaning the leaves off of the roof, right? And we get this beautiful slow-mo of all the leaves coming down on Jonathan Majors. And you're like, oh, yes. Like, he is living the life that he wants. And then it just gets torn out every single time. Mm -hmm. Um Okay, we have meeting Clayton, the real estate guy. I just wanted to throw this in. Uh, two reasons. He he says a sentence and he's like, you know, like, ah, oh, fuck it. That's the injustice of it all. And it's like, dude, you don't fucking get it. Like, yeah. you don't care. You don't get it. You don't want to get it. Very incredible, like, just to the point meta text. Also uh, played by my boy, Finn Whitrock. Love Finn Whitrock. He's incredible in the big short. He's actually pretty good in Deep Water, which is a really shit erotic thriller <laughs> that I wanted to be better. Um, but I, I liked this scene. I thought it was important to put on here. No, I think that's good. I mean, he's a guy that's like obviously like feigning uh, this like, oh, this injustice, whatever. It's like, yeah. dude, you're literally profiting off of this. So mm-hmm. we know you're not that upset about it. But he does a great job. Yeah, he does a pretty he does a pretty good job. Uh, moving in, meeting the neighbors, and then yelling. I love the yelling. How uh, basically Jonathan Majors is like, dude, we got neighbors, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh right, the neighbors, and then they just start yelling again. Like that's the reality that they've chosen to live in, and they want and they want this dream to be so true, but they are so passionate about one another. And I guess one of the main things that I took away from their friendship was like how cool it is to care about shit. Like it's amazing to like actually tell somebody that I, I care about you and I care about the things that you care about. Like that's the entire juxtaposition of this friendship. And then those five guys on the street, right. Of like, they act like they don't care and they're too cool for anything. I think it's an incredible theme of this movie. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I think it's also one of the funnier moments for me that happens in the movie is right after they move in, uh, there's a guy across the street walking his right. dog and Jimmy runs over. He's like, Hey, I just want you to know, I'm just gonna be one of the best neighbors you have. You know, welcome to the neighborhood. Really glad you're here. He's like, I gotta go finish moving in. It's like, okay. Then we just like, we stay with the guy who's walking at this dog. He's like, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> like, he has no idea. Like who introduces himself? Like that is so weird. Like, Oh, that's just one of the funniest scenes. It's it's really funny, too, because it, like, proves, like, the city has moved on without Jimmy. Like, it has moved to a new era of gentrification, of non-friendliness, of, like, all of these things. Um, Jimmy meeting his dad and kind of starting to talk about the house, I think that was a pretty powerful moment. Um, Mm. Something that that is important in his journey about the house, understanding, like, oh, we don't talk about that house. And it kind of has this muddled past behind it. Um, I wanted to say one little true cinema moment here. It's this one little thing. Jimmy lays his head down on the bed, and then we immediately flip to the guy that stole his car that's going Mm -hmm. to bed in his car, uh, laying his head down kind of on the headrest, hearing gunshots like outside of the city. Um, This really visually demanding um, like representation of the exact theme of the movie of like the safety of the city and the safety of a home versus outside of the city where they previously lived. Yeah. They, they did a lot of cool, like matching shots like that. Uh, the cinematography in this movie is just superb. It is mm. a very rich film to look at. Yeah. The lighting is, is 
cinema. The mm. lighting is real good this stuff. This is cinema. <laughs> this is cinema. Uh, Kofi. Kofi dies. R.I.P. Kofi. Um, and then one of the guys breaks down. I think this is kind of a, a crucial moment in understanding um, really what's said at the end of the movie about how people aren't one thing. People yeah. are um, many multitu- multitudes, many layers, and they have the ability to break beyond this box that society or friends or family have put them in. Um Monty goes to the real estate agent and essentially tries to man up and um, kind of starts digging at him a little bit and starts kind of trying to trying to um, get him to back down a little bit, threatening him a little bit and trying to be this person that we've seen glimpses of him trying to be like throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, practicing in the mirror, like how to greet these guys on their mm-hmm. level, those things and realizing like this is not that's not my world. Like, I don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which I think is good. Not me. Yeah, it, it was so cool to see that kind of stuff. Uh, it's really kind of funny the first time he does it. You know, it's like, oh, I was not expecting that from this guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it pays off at the end, like with that, the whole play that he puts on. Like, I think, yeah, Monta's a great job. I want to put the montage of Monty prepping for the play, Jimmy fixing the house, and then we get that incredible San Francisco song over the top of that. Uh, listeners of this pod know I'm a sucker for a good montage. Uh, yeah. As you would know with Swiss Army Man, I'm just a sucker for a good montage. So for sure. That's, that's a good one. Uh, two more, Monty's play. Obviously, mm-hmm. the kind of the pinnacle of the third act, a really important play that visually talks about the ta- toxic masculinity of this um, that this movie is trying to tackle. And then, you know, Monty essentially tells Jimmy, like, I've, I know the truth. <laughs> your house is not built by your grandpa. Um, I, I now know, even though you didn't want to tell me. Um and then Jimmy on the bus at the end, uh, essentially telling these two transplants, like, you don't get to hate San Francisco unless you love it, yeah. which again, really important for this movie, you have to put in your time, you have to put in your dues, your sweat, your blood, your tears into something before you have the right or the ability to say you don't like it or you hate it or it's not for you. Um, and and that comes to full fruition with, with Jimmy at the end. For sure. Uh, and that actually is my true cinema moment here. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. Uh, it's such a powerful line. The You don't get to hate it unless you love it. Um, and that just kind of leads me just a couple of things I want to talk about. Like, there's a lot of really great cameos in this movie. Uh, and on the bus, that is one of them. Uh, one of the women that he's talking to is Thora Birch. Um, and she was in a movie uh, with Scott Johansson called Ghost World. And the end of that movie, they are uh, she gets on the bus and rides away. And actually, Joe Talbot loves that movie. And he and Thor joked that this was like a continuation of that character, that she ne- nice. never got off the bus <laughs> and she's still there. So... That's uh yeah, it's definitely my favorite. Um, as far as that San Francisco song, that um the guy singing, his name is Michael Marshall. Uh, and there's a really funny moment when he's done and uh Jonathan Majors Mont's like, What else you got? And he starts singing, I got five on it, and then he yeah. stops. And that's the actual <laughs> guy who sang that song. Uh he sang the hook on that song on I Got oh, Five on go. it by Looney's. So I thought that was cool. Um and just another couple quick ones. He goes to visit his aunt and her boyfriend is like like learning how to skateboard or whatever that guy is actually uh, named daywon song he's like a professional skateboarder he's like a really <laughs> he's a great skater so i think he plays that well and i think you know the most unexpected cameo uh the guy leading the segway tour which is also a really great moment you know he's like great all these moment. houses are yep. built in the 1800s and jimmy's on the roof like no 1946 jimmy jimmy fails the first he but you know whatever but the guy playing uh the lead of this like tour group uh is jello biafra 
who people will probably better know as the lead singer of the Dead Kennedys. Uh, oh, so nice. it's just like super funny to think about like the dead Kennedys <laughs> and that like super like punk, whatever kind of mentality. And now he's like playing this guy who's like leading the Segway tour of San Francisco. So a lot oh, of cool man. cameos here and not even a cameo, but we haven't even mentioned uh, Danny Glover yet. He's yep. so, so good in this. His relationship with Jonathan Majors is wonderful. So that was a long side tangent, but there's just like plenty of cameos I wanted to hit on. But that final scene on the bus when Jimmy's like, you don't get to hate it unless you love it. I, I love just the idea of that. Yeah, all, all incredible cameos. Um, I had no clue about any of those, which I think are, are so fun uh, and make this movie so real. You mentioned the Segway tour. I wanted to say one thing is that that is a really interesting position for us to be in at that point in the movie because we're so bought into Jimmy's world and Jimmy's yeah. reality of how that actually is his house and how his grandpa actually bought it. But there's people telling us, very like qualified people, telling us, like, no, that mm-hmm. it was not built then. It was built in the 1800s. Um, and we, we, as the audience, as a viewer, at least myself, choose not to believe that i choose to believe jimmy and and that it was built in 1946 by his grandpa um so i think that's incredibly incredibly fascinating work from the movie my true cinema moment comes right before yours uh monty's play when he essentially says people aren't one thing talking about kofi asking people how they will remember kofi um and saying you know you can break out of this box that people put you in you need to be your true self i Always love stuff like that. Two A one X, Jonathan Majors yeah. had to be done. Going to talk Jonathan it. Majors. Lav- Lovecraft Country, Loki, The Harder They Fall, White Boy Rick, The Five Bloods, and this movie, The Blast, Black Man in San Francisco. He hasn't really been in a ton. I mean, they're yeah. notable, but like the dude is he's thirty two right now. Mm-hmm. He's got a a big career ahead of him. Yeah, huge career. Uh, I think we talked before, like Creed three. Yep. Uh, I, he's looking just yoked just as fuck so, for that so movie. jacked. I cannot <laughs> wait. Uh, yeah, he's got some good stuff coming up again. Quantum mania for the MCU. So plenty of good stuff. Um, as wonderful as he is in Loki and he is, uh, I have to go with this one. I think this is just because this was my first experience with him and he really just kind of carried this movie for me. So I'm going to go with last black man. I'm going to join you in going with Last Black Man as well. There is a specific scene when he's about to tell Jimmy that he knows the truth about the deed and the property, uh, but instead decides to let Jimmy be. And um, and they're kind of sitting on that porch and, mm-hmm. and let him work through this process of where else would I go? This is the only thing that I know. This is the only house I can be at. In that moment, Jonathan Majors makes his eyes start to tear up and cry and well up. And it's just like... God, you're you're so good at your job, dude. So Why you got to be so good? So good. Um, yeah, so he, he gets it for this movie. Uh, the last A1 act we have, movies in San Francisco. Obviously, this one's set in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a, a handful of other pretty popular ones here. Vertigo, 48 Hours, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Big Trouble in Little China, The Conversation, Harold and Maude, Inside Out, uh, The Maltese Falcon, Milk, Mrs. Doubtfire, Point Blank, The Rock, Zodiac, Dirty Harry, The Game, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Tons of movies. So set many. In San Fran, dude. Dude, I, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I left one off uh, that I need to mention is Bullet. Uh, it's still, yep. for me, the best car chase out there. Um, I, I love that one quite a bit. But I think out of all these, like, oh, dude, I just want to do like a rush bar, man. Like, there's so many good ones, but <laughs> I'm going to throw it back to Hitchcock. I'm going to go with Vertigo. Uh, it's, okay. uh, it's a wonderful movie, a great Jimmy Stewart performance. So that's what I'm going to go with. 
Love that. Uh, I'm never going to say no to a Fincher film, so I'm going with Zodiac. Because Good, I got to stick with my heart, got to stick with my guns on this one. Uh, RDJ and Jake G, baby. Yeah. Let's, and Mark Ruffalo. Let's, let's hey, fucking I mean, go. Yeah, you, you, you got to do it. Uh, speaking of Fincher and San Francisco, Watch the game if you haven't. It is yeah. such a good movie. Uh, it's another great one, but I'm glad you picked Zodiac. That was actually my second. That was that was B for me, so I loved it. Nice. A little B tier. Uh, yeah, uh, the game incredibly slept on David Fincher film. It's never talked about for Fincher, but it is really good. Great Michael Douglas performance. Yeah. Really, really, really kind of ahead of its time. Good stuff there. Okay, man, let's finish out this pod with our A24 ranking. We've got our first cow, which would be our top tier movie uh, for A24. Our good time, which would be a, a mid-level, and The Farewell, a bottom tier film. I have a hunch. I feel like I know where you're going with this one, man. <laughs> I think you've got an idea for sure. Uh, yeah, this is an easy first cow for me. Uh, I love this movie, I think. Man, if we, yeah, I love this. I love this movie so much. Yeah. Uh, look, I hate to do it, but it's going first cow too. Like, I, I feel like we're, we're first cow in a lot of stuff recently, but look, it's got to be done uh, because we, I feel like we've decided to hit a lot of bangers in a row and yeah. next week is going to be no different. We have Moonlight. We're going to be talking about 824's only Oscar best picture winning uh, movie. So yeah, it's a first cow. It's deep. It's um, complex. It's personal. Yeah. It is really a, an incredible movie on all fronts. And I, really do like a movie that kind of uh, has the pacing and staging of a play. It just feels natural. It feels enjoyable and fun. Um, and Ben, another week goes by, not 24 minutes. Not but 24 minutes. We do our damnedest every week, man. We yeah, come this close. Without a doubt. I'm pretty sure this thing ended up on my A24 Rushmore. So yeah, yeah no yeah. surprise on the first cow here, but this movie needed more than 24 minutes. Plus we got to talk <laughs> about the triple uh, a 24 all access, plenty of good stuff. Uh, we didn't even talk about it, but we got a great trailer for bodies, bodies, bodies. So ah, I'm excited. Bodies, bodies, be, bodies. Pete Davidson. Uh, let's go. It's going to be coming up. Uh, Lee pace Ronan the destroyer, you know, like we'll be talking <laughs> about that later this summer, but um, yeah, we want to know what you guys thought about last black man in San Francisco. Uh, what do you think about it? Do you love Jonathan majors as much as we do? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at 24 minutes of 824. I am Ben Lawhorn. And I am Ethan Simmy. Spring break forever, bitches.